Hello, everyone. Welcome to the season two of Midweek Metagame. This is probably episode three, but Canister has decided that we're not allowed to announce the episode numbers anymore. I'm joined by Canister. Hi, hi. Hello, bros. I'm also joined by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, Pat. Hey, uh, Piotr. Hey, everyone. Well, well, well. It's modern season. Pro Tour is right around the corner. Gab and I have been beavering away in a Discord, and I'm sure Canister has been up to something. Uh, this is a kind of interesting episode. We're recording a week early, given that uh, people are going to be traveling to Barcelona and won't be available next week on our usually, usual fortnightly schedule. And also because this is kind of close to the Pro Tour, it's going to be weird cars close to the chest time. So we're just going to let Canister talk for like 60 minutes or something like that, and we'll interrupt him every now and then when we say things that haven't been part of the NDA. Yeah, for what it's worth, like I haven't decided what I'm going to play yet. Um, we've been we've been playing a bunch of decks, so yeah, it's a little weird, but oh, you know, mostly oh, like then, canister talk then, and kind of not, or maybe we maybe we'll just throw a lie here and there, if, you know. But, so you uh, could say yeah, that even with with no be no beans to spill, we are still unwilling to spill them. Exactly. Exactly. So. We can actually start with modern and uh, what has been happening lately, namely the last uh, weekend of challenges has been pretty interesting. There has been a new archetype which uh, showed up with a pretty large presence and the deck I'm talking about is blue black uh, let's call it control. I think that's the most accurate uh, way to describe it. It is a control deck built around the one ring the card draw power it offers and uh, also the blue pitch spells both frequently sporting a full playset of subtleties and forces of negations in the main deck this deck is very much interested in kind of abusing the ring in that way where you just draw all cheap and or free interaction with it and uh, you take over the game uh with that. On top of that, it's a deck that utilizes a lot of new cards from Lord of the Rings. Uh, four copies of Orcish Bowmasters, of Sauron's Ransom, the One Ring, and interestingly, Lorien Revealed, which is a, an interesting card that like is gonna probably need to be talked a little bit uh, later on in more detail. So, what do you guys think of this deck? Well, it's right up my alley. Um, I actually didn't have enough tickets to buy it on Magic Online. I'm, I'm a kind of dinosaur with no rental account, so I buy and sell Magic cards on Magic Online. And so I sold all of my legacy collection to just buy rings and Bowmasters and just go for it. And I haven't regretted it. I really enjoy playing it. I think it's powerful. And you, you, know, you, you said Lorien Revealed is the kind of most surprising card, and it's just been such a pleasure to play with that card. It really fits, ties the room together. And... Yeah, it's just another one of these one mana land cycling cards that's just incredibly powerful from the latest set. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been pretty funny, right? Because like Lorien Revealed has been like the, the first reaction to Lorien Revealed from the player base or or like the one that I've seen the most was oh of course the only one of the cycle that is not a creature is the blue one. So like clearly they didn't want to make Living End stronger. <laughs> what not, right? But then it turns out that even despite that, and even outside of Living End, this card seems to be to be playable. 
being essentially a utility land. Uh, that's like kind of how how I view it. It's kind of like a it's it's a bit better than a than a top land. Uh, yeah. So it's actually pretty no, noticeably better than than a top land. I, I think land cycling for one much easier to weave into your curve in a way that makes sense than than a straight up top land requires you to. And it's also notably a blue card for all of those blue pitches. And also it's hard castable for five mana, which just happens in, in games. It's like very real. And five mana draw three, you know, not what you often think of when you think of modern, but uh it does its job when it when when it needs to. Yeah, and I think the the most important part of it is, is you know, it's just land cycling, not basic land cycling. So or well island mm-hmm. cycling, not basic island cycling. Just you know, fixing your mana, you know, playing playing that role for all the all the pitch cards. Actually when I was uh Playing, you know, playing a bit with the deck and thinking about cards I might choose to put in. I was actually thinking about Seagate Restoration. I was like, why would I put myself through that misery when I just got four of these Lorian reveals? And that's probably enough. Yeah, I was thinking of of Seagate Restoration too in that context, and just funny how Lorian revealed is almost just a straight up better card on both ends, both as a land and as a spell. It's kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. It's just I just I was thinking about oh, do I want the fifth? And I was like. I just can't put myself through that. Like it's three life. It's that's like yeah. you know that's like turn. That's the second turn of the ring or third turn of the ring uh, itself. You're never getting to seven mana and casting it meaningfully. Yeah. All the numbers are just right on Lorraine revealed, and it's uh, more than just this blue black deck. I think that's the breakout card of the weekend because it also did well in um, in rhinos as well. I think it's kind of you know, shown up in other other decks as well. And again, yeah, another deck that wants to play lots of force of negations and lots of subtlety is just. Playing Lorian revealed, lowering its land count, and just getting that utility. Yeah, have you tried it in Merktide Pat? Because some Merktide players who have been playing Lorian revealed, I, I don't think it's a majority, but some. I haven't had any time to play it in Merktide. I've been too busy playing blue uh, this this uh, one ring deck. But I have tried it in Mono Blue Tron, and I can safely say that it is an improvement there. Though that is really just putting lipstick on a pig, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well put. Yeah, I'm not surprised Honestly. when you look at the deck. I played actually a a blue black Merktide deck was Ransom. I was pretty high on Ransom. I was trying it in blue black Merktide and the Gorio decks. It was a pretty cool card. I wasn't sure if it was better than Shadow Prophecy or not in, in these decks, but um, yeah, it just it does a lot. It it doesn't say draw cards, which is nice against Bowmaster mm. too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is Sauron's Ransom now. We're, we're pivoting to the uh, yet another Lord of the Rings cards that is you know made a breakout from this also deck present in the in the blue black deck. The one thing that is that is pretty nice about the blue black deck with regards to Sauron's Ransom is that the way it is built, almost all of the cards in it have flash, which means that it does a pretty good job at. Uh, making uh, plays when your opponent refuses to just present targets for your counter spells so you can punish your opponent who like is failing to produce something worth counter spelling with a sauron's ransom and then you can get ahead get plus one on cards or maybe even plus two if your opponent splits in a favorable way for some reason and uh, it's all pretty nice on top of that orcish bowmaster is also a threat that sneaks into play at the end step it all works out pretty pretty conveniently, and it's that aspect of this deck is pretty cool. I've tempoed some people with Orcish Bowmasters into into four mana subtlety into deal 
like a lot surprisingly a surprising amount of damage while countering like a few more plays yeah i've definitely closed the game with just that last two points from shieldred that they have to untap and take a draw step to answer there and they die where you're just chipping away at them with bowmasters and and subtleties here and there some of my initial changes to the deck actually were to kind of try stamp caster mages to like play extra extra ones in that extra cards in that role of like you know and at a turn get us accrue a small advantage but uh ultimately it's it's made its way back to the sideboard one it made its way off the bench for me it's just not yeah, good it's, enough, not, uh, it's probably past its prime and well, it certainly past probably, its prime probably, probably you'll never get it th- also this deck's not really built again. in the way to take full advantage of it I, although it's you know full of mana efficient plays it's not actually very much very full of one mana plays it doesn't mm-hmm. have cards that you can flashback for one mana. It just has a couple of spell pierces, some fatal pushes, and that's it. All your other cheap spells are Force of Negation, Subtleties, Lorien Reveals, things that you know make the way to the Graveyard. You can move through a number of cards in your deck, but they're not efficient things as flashback with Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, you can't flashback Subtlety, you can't flashback... Can't, can't really flashback Sauron's Ransom or Force of Negation reasonably. It's five mana that is so much. So that's certainly a big investment, and Snapcaster is probably, well, as you said, goes on the bench and probably never returns. Yeah. I think one of my, my initial instincts was just to try and lower the curve of the deck, like try and m- put more cheap things into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably. Well, how, how cheaper can you get than zero mana, right? Subtlety and force negation because nothing. Well, this is it. I, I guess on, on face value, though, my initial kind of feelings about subtlety was it's not actually a very good magic card. And... Maybe I'm not supposed to play four copies of this. Maybe that's just kind of first iteration deck building, and the best answer is to play like one or two copies and you know play some more one mana spells or you know put some thought seeds in your deck or something like that and lower the curve that way. But every time I would cut subtleties, I would just lose more, and so I just mm. they're back in my deck again. Subtlety is kind of a like high variance card matchup wise, I think. So I think it makes sense to play less than four copies. And uh, I'm not opposed to the idea of trimming on that. I think the like initial build of having just four can can be hit or miss. There are certainly matchups and situations where you just have so many subtleties and and uh, trouble ensues. Actually, one of the cards that I struggled the most with the blue black deck was Urza's Saga. Did you guys have that experience too? Uh, not not so much the creatures it puts into play, but more of the pithing needle it fetches up. Mm, yeah, that's true. I've struggled with the creatures too. I, uh, you know, that just doesn't line up perfectly when you are trying to hold up counter magic, right? That's like the one card that's that's perfectly fine being cast into an open mana with counter spells and. Yeah, uh, it certainly ha- it certainly hasn't been a walk in the park. No. It's it's really good, except when you have Dress Down, then you just laugh at the card. But Dress Down's maybe not the greatest right now in modern. I guess it's still fine. I don't know. Do you, do you have any Dress Downs in your list right now, Canister? Or I had two Dress Downs in my deck, but it is an interesting conundrum, right? Because it would appear that Urza Saga decks in general are not doing too well in modern. And there's not too many like at the top of the metagame. So it's kind of a fringe card in a way. It's still a very powerful card, just not that popular. But you know, decks like Hammer, uh, just Hammer kind of disappeared from the from Magic Online almost entirely because it matches so badly against the One Ring in general. There's actually uh, two. I've played against Hammer a lot 
maybe mm-hmm. not a lot, but maybe three or four times over the last week with this deck. And it's actually surprisingly well positioned against the Stamir deck. Even though I'm winning a lot, I feel like the card Snap uh, Stoneforge Mystic is something I struggle to deal with because it has two toughness. So it doesn't get Bowmastered. <laughs> and then Saga, like you pointed out. I, I think everything else kind of lines up pretty well, but uh, when they open Stoneforge Mystic and the Caldra Complete, I don't win those games very often. Exactly. And then there's that Saga issue, which, which as, as we both mentioned, like, right, as Gap said, if you have dress downs, you can laugh at the card, but then uh, do you even spend the cyborg space on, on your dress downs? It is a real cost, uh, while yep. the yeah. sagas seem to be a little bit not that popular. Yeah, there's a lot of really good cards in the deck, and, you know, the one ring plus shield, right, can get really dumb, but to some extent, you're still a control deck somewhat reactive and when your answers don't line up um things go poorly it feels a bit like the same way it was blue white control the old blue white control in modern i say old like maybe before this new set where sometimes it just feels great you know when everything lines up you counter everything kill everything get some cards and it's not close but when you stumble things go poorly this deck is probably a bit better because Bowmaster is a really good card. Ransom's pretty efficient. And um, the ring's pretty good at getting back all these cards. You know, you don't care if you... It's a bit like living in in some ways. It doesn't matter if you... Subtlety and force and this. If, if you have, you know, one card... If you just go... Even if you're down to no cards on turn four, but your last card is like force land and ring, then you're probably going to be fine because they probably don't have much of a board because you countered or killed everything. Yeah, uh, we were having this discussion. Well, I'm, maybe I, I made this point in discussion about whether subtlety is good or not. And I just kind of described the situations this deck's trying to get itself into. And it's a, it, it doesn't matter taking disadva- card disadvantage trades to get itself into a position where its life total is high and the board is stable when the ring comes into play. And once that, from that point onwards, you're happy to have free spells again because you just want to be using your mana and you know, churning through the cards that you the card advantage that you're generating. And so it can take these kind of horrible trades. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've just subtletyed Ragavan on turn one or or whatnot or, or Delighted Halfling and just being like, whatever, like, <laughs> it's fine. I have four land and one ring and nothing else in my hand and it'll be okay because I'm just like a little bit ahead or that little bit less far behind, I guess, is more the point. That's an interesting uh, comparison. I, I, know, I haven't thought of this deck, but I guess it is like... It is really a living end deck yeah, in a way. One, one card combo deck again. Yeah, it's just that your the one ring is your shardless agent, roughly speaking. Yeah, I mean that's one of the ways the game play out, but yeah, you kind of get it all back. Living in, you get it all back from your graveyard. This deck, you get it all you get it all back from the one ring. Um, so obviously, it has like you know, I played um. A bit on the. Um, I played that prelim. We both forrowed the same prelim. It was blue black. We, we dodged each other. And uh, the very. Yeah, first... I, I'm, I'm seeing the result of this. Oh. Oops. I'm an idiot. Um, so. Yeah. I, uh, I just got the call, but I'll keep talking while I get back on the call. Yeah, I was the very first match I played was um, blue black control, uh, the mirror match. Can you hear me, guys? 
Yes, yes good. I cut. So what happened is I closed Discord because I heard a, a Discord sound. So I was like, "Oops, I don't know which which one of my thing I didn't turn off." The so I closed Discord and I forgot we were recording for Discord. But we're all good. We're still recording. Nothing happened. Very very so, close. So yeah, I was saying the very first match I played was the mayor. Uh, I'd never picked up the deck, and you know people want me to stream it. So, and you know we both were like just praying kind of to hit our land drops, but we didn't have much to hit our land drops besides Ransom, and you don't really want to tap out. Um, I don't even remember now why I was starting to make that point, but... I, I think the Mirror is a definitely an interesting matchup that plays out differently to, to many matchups we've had in Modern recently. I, don't, I can't think of a matchup that plays out quite the same in Modern in hey, recent Maybe time. the point you wanted to get at, Gab, was that... The stock var variants of this deck, the ones that top uh, during the last weekend, all frequently seems to run a pretty ridiculously low land counts, like 20 lands and 3 Lion Reveals is in a first place decklist from a modern challenge on July 16th that I'm seeing before my eyes right now, that was, that was last Sunday. Yeah. And that's like a control deck that really basically needs to hit the fourth land drop on turn four every game to to function properly. And I'm counting Lauren Revealed as a land, so we have 23 totals. That is pretty low, right? Yeah, I, I did a land. I went to 20 and 4 when I played that prelim. Uh, I don't know what you guys think the, the, the right amount of land is. I would guess it's either 20 plus 4 or 21 plus 4, because there's a fine line, right? If you add too many lands, then... You turn a bit in these old control decks that have like that that just you flood. You kind of have to keep four lands free spells. You flood a bit and you lose. Or um, that's what makes it deck tick is that you have a lot of fret density and it's a fine line between oh I don't want to miss land drops but also I need you you're, you still you know you're still not that great from behind. You have Merc that or you have like Shield Red plus Ring but it's not always easy to assemble. So it's a fine line between you know, adding lands and also just having enough density in the early game. I played 21 and 4, Lorraine Revealed, last time I played, so still, yeah, you still like get to play 21 lands, but just 4, Lorraine Revealed to keep that blue card density and top deck density in the deck. And actually today I played a prelim with a slightly different variant, which I also wanted to discuss. I played a prelim with blue-white control, which is essentially... I view it as the same deck for the most part, but you just swap the black mana for white mana. In this deck, I actually played 22 lands and 4 Lorien Reveals because, of course, we are also expanding our mana base to include 2 Triumphs so that we can support Leyline Binding. And it is kind of crazy how bad the removal in the blue-black deck is past Fatal Push. Even Fatal Push, not really the best card nowadays, and it's fairly narrow in what it can hit. There's so many things you, you miss, you know, there's matchups like Living End where it's just always straight up a blank where a card like Leyline Binding or Solitude could actually help you a little bit and maybe buy you a turn and help you survive. Uh, there is, card, there is you know, there's the entire red-black scam deck which sometimes just tries to put put a fury on the on the battlefield a 4-4 fury on turn one and in the blue black deck you barely have removal to deal with that once that resolves so that is a little bit of an, an issue i had with the dimir control deck and that made me look into blue white which 
is similar, has much better removal, and I guess it's also slightly more passive because you you replace like you don't have orcish bowmasters and you replace the shield reds that are typically present in the blue black deck with omnaps, which I think Omnath is a better card than Shieldred in Modern in general. I don't think that's really much up up to like much discussion. I don't know if you guys agree. Um, I actually kind of I don't. Know, I'm gonna be stone result oriented because I played. It's funny we we played the same frame this morning. I went O two drop. I think you went three one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who came up with this list, but I think you know people have been kind of playing list similar. But I think it was kind of Yendrek who, who yes yes TSP Yendrek who kind of played blue white and his kind of innovation was his only splash was just a couple Omnaths for the one ring. And I don't know, I feel like Shieldred's kind of better comboing with the one ring. Omnath is a better card when you don't have the ring. But yeah, it's also harder to cast. His mana's a lot cord. You know, there's like, I think, six lands that only make blue. And sure, you don't need Omnath on turn four every game, but it would be nice to to have the option. You are fetching the Triumphs a lot in the early game. I also was not sure I agreed with you about Fatal Push. I haven't played a ton with Fatal Push, but I think Fatal Push pretty good. I feel like if Fatal Push was white, I think you would mm-hmm. play a lot of... You would probably play four, four Fatal Push in your blue-white decks, no? You think Fatal Push is stronger than Prismatic Ending? I do. That, that I can get behind. Yeah. I certainly think but, it's stronger than Prismatic Ending. One, but, one of the things... One of the there's no way it's stronger than Leyline Binding. No, it's not better than Leyline Binding. But Leyline Binding asks specific things of you. I, I, I've Fatal Push has been really pretty important from for, for me in the blue back deck, just because even though Ragavan's kind of on the decline, it's still you know it's become more of like a dash Ragavan format. And so if my if my Leyline Bindings were sorcer- sorry, if my Fatal Pushes were sorceries, I, I wouldn't be having a great time. All right, let me rephrase my point then, because my point wasn't that Fatal Push is not a good card for the blue-black deck. And it was not that Fatal Push is not a relatively strong removal spell. It was more so a point that Fatal Push is the peak of removal that you can get in blue-black, yeah. and your options past that are... You, you're, you're scrapping the bottom of the barrel yes. almost immediately, like Shieldred's, Shieldred's Edict, uh, Drown the Lock, uh, Murderous Cards. These are the cards that are available to you, and they are, they are all... Yes, set a drift. They are they are all much weaker than the options that White provides in the removal department, which is leyline binding, solitude, and then any amount of prismatic ending that you want to uh, sprinkle yeah. onto your deck. I, I definitely agree with you. The, the removal options in White are more appealing on the whole. Like if you had to sum up the first kind of five removal spells re- options, and in, in that White would White would win out. But I think Fatal Push is better than the first. Yes, yeah, so if you're talking about just like one mana spells that just fit in, fit on curve and are castable on turn one, I fatal push is the best, and then leyline binding is the next best. But it's not a turn one play, and that's a, a relatively large cost, at least to me. I guess that's also you have to think about bowmaster versus like where where does bowmaster stack up in your removal suite? Is it is it a removal spell or is it do we counting in the removal yeah. package because you lose out on it in uh, blue white? It is certainly like a removal spell in a way, although it should it only shoots small, low toughness creatures, which kind of just 
oftentimes means that the coverage of Bowmaster and Fatal Push is the same, and they like don't cover different areas of problems and things like once again like that fury with a plus one plus one counter that can enter the battlefield on turn one. That's gonna be a problem no matter how many pushes and mm. uh, Bowmaster yeah. draw, right? I don't know. I've chumped a lot. Bowmaster chumps twice. It's pretty good. True, true. It's a good chumper. I, I understand your point. My, my my concern about playing blue white is more that the as you described earlier, like all these Demir cards are all played at instant speed, whereas the blue white cards not necessarily played at instant speed. I mean, you presumably have some copies of Teferi in your deck. You're drawing. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you replace the card advantage of Sauron's ransom with? Is that taken up by sorcery speed spells like Teferi, or is it you, know, you play Archmage's Charm? I just think it's less coherent. It still contains the same powerful things. And the essence of the deck is the same, but I don't think the whole package works very well together. This is without seeing a list or playing a game. So it's a question, not a statement. Uh, the list I've been playing with has been playing the Fairy Time Raveler, which, if I had been, you know, if somebody comes to me and asks and would ask me a question, right? Hey, which card is more powerful and shows me a picture of Sauron's uh, Ransom and Teferi Time Raveler? I would lean towards Teferi Time Raveler, generally speaking, of course. Uh, I'm not sure if you'd agree with that, but my intuition would tell me that most people would. I mean, it depends on the matchup, honestly. If I'm playing a control ma- mirror, I think right now I'd rather have Sauron's Ransom in my deck, but... Alright. Teferi is also a little worse now with Bowmaster, right? And sure. to some extent against the One Ring, it's not like the best thing you can do if you're playing in a control mirror anymore. I don't know. Maybe you're okay having your Teferi if they have the One Ring. I'm not even sure, but um, you know. I'm going to be pers- perfectly frank. All of this discussion of alternative, alternative blue decks is making me think, why aren't we just playing blue-red? Because it's expressive iteration. But like blue-red control or blue-red Merktide? Not Merktide. It could have some Merktides in it, but like just blue red, the one ring. Well, Yendrek was having a little bit of a fling with blue red control mm. uh, for a while, but like it ended up after a string of terrible results. And honestly, <laughs> okay. on paper, the deck didn't look very sound. Fair enough. It had, <laughs> the, same, it had the same issue that. So, so blue white. Is playing Leyline Binding, Prismatic Gaining Teferi. You have ways to manage the one ring once it enters the battlefield, right? So you can just remove it. So that's your plan, and you're like fine playing a control game that will always go long because you're not equipped to finish it sooner. But you have the tools to, to do that, and you can just remove the ring from the battlefield. Blue Black really cannot remove the ring when it's on the battlefield. So if your opponent ever sneaks a ring into play, you're kind of forced to play a more of a tempo game. And you're using Orkish Bowmaster and Shoulder the Apocalypse to do that, which are fine tools, right? Because it's really hard to activate the one ring with Shoulder in play. So I am sympathetic towards that plan. It makes sense to me. And now Blue Red, it just has none of that, which I, you know, find problematic. And then. Yeah. The lack of catch-up mechanism when you have ring in play but you can't gain life is definitely... Yeah, you, and you have no life gain. So you have no catch-up for your own ring and you have no catch-up for your opposing rings. And then, like, what, what cards do you gain from red? Well, iteration, which is fine, but 
it plays the best in decks that are low care, not in decks that you know have mana curves that uh, look like this. Like right, like Lorien revealed. Mm. It's not a combo with iteration, right? It's not a good card to exile from it, for example. No, it's terrible. No, no, I can't. Yeah. I, it's fine. I'm, I'm immediately off of it. What about blue green? Blue green control. I think we we're gonna have to wait for maybe the next uh, canister no ban list tournament for that because <laughs> no in that format you can play Oko Ura yeah. and uh, <laughs> other tools that would probably make it make a little bit of sense in that shell, but as is in modern, not really, right? Yeah, probably not. Crow spiral into the one ring. Oh, all right, here we go. The trap. Every time, who tried crow spiral recently? Growth spiral into Lorian reveal. I think it was in creativity. Someone on our team was like, I could have told you that. That card hasn't been good. And like, I remember before he was like trying to ramp into Jace. And before that, it's like you, you just. Did you, did you tell them Explore exists? Yeah. Yeah. Explore is, is better in, in creativity for sure. Um, but uh, yeah. So you, you, you think that that blue white version is better? I, I'll tell you my experience. It was kind of comical, honestly. I played round mm -hmm. one against Yogg. I think they just had like really good draws on the plane, game one and three, and maybe I could have played a bit better. Actually, like I was timing out, it was not great. Uh, and then round two, I literally got decked. You beat that person in round four, I think. I got decked by Asmogoria. Easily. I, I forgot to reveal Kahira, and I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And then they got like two cookbooks going, and basically every time I would get a creature or two on board, they would resolve an Asmo, kill my two creatures, and your deck only has what, like eight creatures? And I couldn't raise the, the cookbook. I, I couldn't even, like, yeah, between the life they gain, they kill all my creatures. I, I, they basically did deck me. I think maybe if I had Kahir, I could have maybe won the race, but I'm not even sure. And yeah. And then game two, I don't even remember what what happened. I think I stumbled or something. Uh, just like control things, I think I just stumbled and things got out of control. I don't know. I'm just not blown away by counterspell. I guess um, the the mana is a little awkward. It was Omnath. You have some life gain, but not a ton. Uh, you have a lot of your lands that come into play tapped. Even the obviously binding and the free spells kind of make up for that. And, you know, there was a spot where I couldn't cast Verdict right away or I had to take a lot of damage from my lands to do so against Yogg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my Yogg really... opened and played pretty well, I thought, too. So maybe maybe there's a bit of that too against these control decks. Like, maybe people need to get used to play against them and then things get a little worse for you. Yeah, maybe. that All, all that you are saying like sounds a little bit like a skill issue. And a little <laughs> bit like some other inexplicable factor. So like we can't really know if it, if it was that, but it kind of oozes uh, out of that those statements a little bit. Yeah, I agree. It's not very fair to be like, oh, I played terrible. I don't think the deck is good. But you know, I wasn't like <laughs> the feel of it didn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't blown you away. Off by how bad the deck was and it made you play poorly. <laughs> you know, I've used that excuse before too. Yeah. This deck you know, was so like, bad, how could I be expected to play well? This deck is so bad, like, I did not reveal like a Hira and I lost because of that. It's, it's a pretty <laughs> convincing <laughs> argument in, in some ways, but also <laughs> fails in some others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's relatable to our listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I also understand that this is what happened to Gab because he's not using to revealing uh, Kahira, right? Because uh, Arcade's Sabov is not a cat, elemental nightmare, dinosaur, or a beast, so. <laughs> not a surprise. Yeah. One thing I'm, I'm looking at your, your list you just posted for me is this blue white deck. A card that I have been impressed by and thinking more and more about recently is Fire Ice, a uh, clean answer to Bowmaster. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, a, spe- a specific with... reason for it, right? Yeah, and, and a card with decent utility across the board in general. Uh, I... Getting getting that kind of like free splash, and also the crumble to dust in the sideboard, like taking advantage of the red, the, the the slight red splash to fix the Tron matchup, is appealing. I do like I do like what's going on there. Yeah, I think the game I won against Yaga actually had rest in peace, and then I got to fire a Geist and a Bowmaster. That was kind of nice. I mean, it's like a, a not like, uh anecdotique and not I, I never know see there was this word in, in anecdotal yeah but no I, I like fire ice it, it lines up decently well it's you know i find myself just having to use a, a, a removal on bowmaster a lot of the time you know in a bunch of decks because you your deck's probably drawing some cards in some ways and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel great but you kind of have to what do you guys maybe think about Taking the blue black deck and just splashing leyline binding, then I've drawn like, it up on the paper. Only, the only, the only thing you you do just leyline binding. Yeah, I've I've drawn it up on paper. I can't figure out how to make the numbers work. How would the mana work? Have you thought about it, Canister? No, just thought of it now. You would need I had some thoughts of. So I, I started with Forlorian revealed in twenty one land because I needed to turn. So I have a third watery grave that I would turn one of those into a tri-land. And then I would add another land that would be a tri-land. And then my mana would be fine. I would probably have to have a f- no prismatic vista anymore and just play... I said that no vista Yeah, no vistas. Not a lot of vistas at this point. Um, I tried to do it. I can't figure out where the cuts are supposed to come from. Yeah, I can kind of find space for two or three bindings, and then I'm like, well, why am I doing all this? Why am I going to all this effort to just put two or three copies of the splash card in my deck? Yeah, you know, you're going out of your way for this power, this powerful card. Um, in a format where well, Blood Moon is a thing and your life total matters, and it's like, yep, to add a full color, I mean, even it, it's like it costs you a lot in, in the long run, so it's always hard to know, you know, sure, it's um, you know. You lose a few basics, you lose a little this, a little that, a few yeah, for damage. You, yeah, you'll be Lorien revealing for a, a, a tap land or a shock land more often, makes your rings a little bit worse. A, part, part of the appeal of the deck is the ability to just go, okay, watery grave turn one, and then just go untap land, untap land, untap land, untap land, untap land without really blinking. Like, you know, not having dark slick shores and all this sort of stuff, really making things work quite smoothly. It is true that it's probably better. It's probably much easier to play binding in a deck where white is your main color than this on a splash, because that means that your binding can actually serve as an answer to Blood Moon if needed, instead of being just host by it. Yeah, I'm I'm less concerned about Blood Moon in general. Like, I, there's force of negations in your deck. Uh, you're trying to play instant speed in general. It's not the sort of the card I've really found myself gotten by very often. I think Rhino's got me once with it, but it's just. I've be, I've won lots of games from underneath Blood Moon with mm. Blue Black already. Uh, 
I just yeah, the, you don't have the se- these kind of smooth sequences where you can go you know fatal push your thing and then binding something on turn two. Like you can't you can't do that, or you can't go fatal push your thing, have counter spell on turn two, and then have binding available. These these turns don't work, and that leaves you in a worse position overall when you're trying to cast ring on turn four. And it just it doesn't quite work for me. But it was where my, my mind went first. Yeah, I guess I guess I can see that. Uh, maybe like if you have bowmasters in your deck, you kind of want to be able to play them mm-hmm. on turn two, like use them efficiently, yeah. damage your opponent when they give you the opportunity to do so, and then and... leyline binding just makes makes your mana a bit more unwieldy. And as I said, like the blue eyed deck, because of of the cards and the mana base, just naturally lends itself into a little bit more of a passive deck. That's right. I, I, you know, I, I mentioned a little bit before that you know, Ragavan being on the decline doesn't mean I'm not afraid of it, and I don't play against it a lot. And you know, keeping these hands where like, okay, I'm going to rely on Leyline Binding to be my removal spell here. That's a turn three removal spell that gets you in a horrible situation against Ragavan. I, yeah, I just don't, it just doesn't quite sit right. And I can't figure out how to do it, and it, it's all it all kind of boils back to our kind of discussion of what do you, what what changes we're we making to the mana base because these original decks that were succeeding were twenty land, three Lorien revealed, and that we, I think we all just kind of immediately said, hey, that's not enough land, that's not enough mana sources, and so I'm at twenty four sources now, and you tried twenty five and was successful. Uh, I've tried twenty five and felt like I was flooding a little bit, but you know this is all just again anecdotal. Um, it's hard enough to get things just right for blue black, I find, than it is to branch out into another color, though I really want to. Part of me is wanting to just play Xanthid Triumph and play Crumble to Dust in my sideboard because Tron's been really tough. Yeah, I can see Tron being tough. I, I also am generally a player that tries to limit the amount of colors in my decks right and add them endlessly, which as evidenced by the fact that I am advocating for a, a domain leyline binding blue eyed build. With two omnaths, yeah. but you know, right. that's just, uh, those splashes are kind of natural and they actually are pretty minimal in practice, I think. Yeah. Mm. How many matches have you played with the deck? There's the four or a bit more than that? Four in the, pre- in the prelim, yeah. Probably gonna battle in another one tomorrow. Yeah, I've also been vicariously living some of the blue white experience through Yendrek's uh, results because he's been playing this deck a lot and post updating me, keeping me updated with his results. Yeah, I've seen like he went like four in a prelim, three one in another. I've watched a bit too. I was gonna, I was gonna do the classic Twitch chat. I saw he, I think he lost to Burn the other day. What was your one loss to today? Uh, Tron. Oh, the Trumble to Tron. didn't save you, or he didn't. Just... It did not show up. Not only did I lose after after winning game one easily, I lost both postpone games. Not only did I lose, did I lose badly. But my opponent also immediately jumped into into the chat and clarified that the entire game they were keeping up a warping well. So even if I drew Crumble to Dust, it wouldn't have saved me. <laughs> <laughs> so so naturally I immediately added a second one to my sideboard as the like next logical step of this chain of events. This deck looks like it should be decent against Tron. You have the cheap counters, you have subtlety force, you know, you have your own one ring to 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 keep drawing cards and uh, and your sideboard two crumble two veto more force more subtleties uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel helpless. I just lost. Yeah. yeah and I lost badly, as you sometimes do against Sean when they curve out Karns into Ulamogs and your lands yeah. are getting removed. Did you play Omnath, like regular Omnath, a bit since the new cards? Uh, you mean the four color version? Yeah. I played a little bit of it. I, I, I have grow grew to f like have a similar opinion as I used to have on the Orion decks, which is that they just just so rough to play. It's like. Playing such a passive deck with no counter spell on it is just fundamentally and uh, intrinsically just such a bad idea to me. Like, of of course, objectively, the deck is doing relatively okay still, and it is it does go up in results. But I think it's kind of like I always feel those decks are kind of like a agency and the trap and you have cards that are actually kind of terrible and modern like elish norn is actually is it is it actually like a great card sometimes it's so so laughable like when when you play with a deck that doesn't actually care about the elish norn for example your opponent just taps out for a five mana four seven monster well, no one's forcing it's you to put kind a of card laughable. in your deck so you think like despite having all the good cards and stuff and halfling and the one ring it's still a little too fair for modern and you need to be it's, doing something a little more broken. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not broken, but just kind of the passiveness, right? You like you you set up so that you're gonna going to play those old those uh, long games against everyone, and then you just kind of have to face tank whatever the format throws at you, and you're able to face tank a lot, but not everything, and just. Sometimes you're gonna get paired against uh, Tron, and you have to, you know, withstand them, or, or luckily draw into your Bosedge lock early mm -hmm. enough. Sometimes you're gonna uh, face like a silly mud, new Matnas combo deck that you don't even like. You're not even sure what it <laughs> does, and like turns yeah. out you have no outs from turn one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was getting... I just kind of. I, I have a big issue, big issue with that, which may be... Uh, like I don't know, maybe it's a flaw in my thinking. Maybe it's a flaw in my play, but I kind of just always end up hating four color a little bit when I end up playing it. And I felt the same way at Yorion times. At some point, after playing this deck for a long time, I felt similarly after Yorion when it got resurrected like five different times. It always com comes back to the same issue for me. Yeah, I was yeah, I was asking because I was. Curious, but you know, if you thought that was all a comparison between these two decks, or if they're very different, you like that? Well, yeah, but you say that, but you still lost to Tron, anyways. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, yes. yeah <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My experience with the, I was thinking a bit more about the blue black deck. It actually that first mirror it reminded me of like the super old school mirrors where you're like trying to make your land drops, but your threats are also kind of sorcery speed, so you can't tap out, and you're just like hoping. Hoping to to draw land is is a bit of that, and it's gonna make a point. And I'm I'm kind of spacey tonight. I just forgot exactly what was the point. What were you talking about? You're saying he still lost to Tron. Uh, talking about all my loans get removed, but like it was not not that I missed them. It was that Ulamog, the ceaseless hunger, helped yeah. me remove them from the battlefield. So then yeah, then and then I missed my lands. 
yeah. I missed them as in I was longing for them to return, but they never did. Yeah, and I think I had another point about the blue black deck, but uh, I, I forgot already. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I played, I beat like four fairy decks. I felt so. I felt like that was like these matchups. And I also felt like at many points in the game, if they had that one extra threat, um, you know, things could have fell fell apart, and I could have fallen behind really fast. But I was able to stay ahead. So mm, I definitely feel like you thread the needle a lot with the blue black deck. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And it's just modern, right? Like the decks are just super busted. Like every deck's just so powerful that it's gonna feel like that away. It's gonna come down to, you know, a little thing, and then it all unravels. I was going for my cards, backing for the PT, and you know, going for trying to sort. My cards are not well sorted a, a, at all, and a lot of them are old. And getting all nostalgia, I was like, oh, maybe that card could be. And I'm like, I had to remind myself constantly that like. You just can't play like random fair stuff in modern, you know, signets are not going to cut it or, you know, uh, I, I don't even know. I was going for a lot of cards and I was like, I wish this was playable in modern, but. Yeah. Signets cost one mana, they're one twos, they tap for a mana and they make things uncountable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Do we want to? I want to. Can I just can I just yeah. make a comment on the can I make a comment on the passiveness of the Omnath deck and how it Beautiful. how I find it plays out? I definitely I, I agree with that sentiment. Where even though you can have this opening with these from the Omnath the Omnath decks where they kind of open halfling into Teferi, if you you don't die, you, you don't your life total is not under threat. Threat. If you if your hand is all 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 interaction, you can just interact back, get yourself to a point of parity, and then you're you can still do your thing. I, I'm, you know, from the the mere control side of things, they can get Ren going. They can get have a Deferi in play. They shut your counters down. They can have Omnath in play. It deals a bit of damage to you, but you can still just find your way around that because they're not closing the game in a hurry. They're not doing something so insurmountably powerful that you can that you can't can't recover and enact your game plan given enough time. And I find that's really a really problematic thing. You know, if I just think about Halfling in general, a Halfling from, from Yorgmoth scares me. A Halfling from, from Omnath scares me, but I don't feel like I'm dead on the spot if it stays in play for two turns. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely had spots in my game against Omnath where if they just had the one ring to go with their Halfling, I, was, I would have like pretty much lost on the spot, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just haven't had the one ring when they have the Halfling. Because like, Halfling, yeah. into, you have subtlety to deal with... Halfling into a creature or into a planeswalker, but to have halfling into the one ring, you're just called. Yeah, I guess this is the point that the, it doesn't feel like the game ends unless they, I guess, unless they have the one ring, but yeah. I just have maybe I haven't yeah. seen them have and, that one. And if they have the one ring, you just have to quickly convert into a fish deck, I guess, and you play yeah. your shield threat and you protect your fossil negation, hopefully, and that kind of. Yeah gets there sometimes yeah it works like 25 percent of the time or something like that and... yeah we want to talk more about these decks i know you and i both played a bit of yog it was i think it was pretty much my first time playing yog last weekend because basically i'm trying to not give away what we're testing so i'm just playing med decks and claudio had won a challenge claudio h and i was like maybe it's time i play you know a few few games with yog just to get a feel maybe it's always rough right it feels like it's not really worth it for me because, like, I have some good Yogs player on my team. Like, what am I going to learn in 10 matches that they don't already know? Or what I learned is probably just going to be wrong. It's going to be result-oriented. 
um you know i guess a lot of people probably feel that way about a bunch of decks in modern you know when there's a, a new tier one deck you're like should i invest the time in learning it or um you know is it not worth it and i should just stick to the deck i know even though i know it's maybe a little worse uh you know played if, if, if played well so uh, i don't know i played yog i thought it was it was pretty solid i was making a few mistakes here and there but i was missing land drops a lot i was dying a lot was my four drops in in hand but i feel like it's a bit like that blue black deck you need to you know it's no point hitting all your land drops if you didn't do you know creature one creature on two something on three because then your yog just sucks anyways if you don't have a a bunch of creatures in play so you don't want too many lands but you know you don't want to so i don't know if you have an opinion on that or it's just like you know natural variance and um it's kind of kind of built into the deck right yeah as you say you need creatures in play for yagmov to be an actual threat and a yagmov on an empty battlefield is just a vanilla creature a yagmov on a full battlefield is is a creature that is also a draw seven so yeah it's certainly a pretty wide range be between what the card can do and you're certainly more more so you're happier to access the draw seven part than the vanilla creature part. Yeah. But it's tough it's tough. You just need your dorks to survive sometimes and at the same time you can easily flood if you play too many dorks, too many lands. So it's a tough uh, balance. I yeah. certainly I played I played a challenge with Yogmov. I think. Was the prelim? Yeah. Not very important though, but uh, I have to say that it does feel like Zerk has some like powerful wizardry behind uh, his ability to play this deck because I was I didn't feel like I was truly able to access the same uh, heights. I guess no surprise because I was like picking this deck for like the I don't know maybe fifth time in my in my Magic playing uh, career in general. While he's been grinding for it with for years at this point, uh, endlessly, yeah. And you build a certain level of experience uh, that way that is not accessible in other ways. But uh, Yogmov certainly feels like a deck that you need that expertise to truly be excited to bring to a high level tournament. I think so. Like I would not. Last last time I, I was saying that uh, I put my life on the line for with Yogmov and <laughs> maybe 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 I'd die. Hard to say, but uh, you'd you'd really need to invest uh, into knowing the deck before putting your life on the line. That's that's an advice from from me, a dead man. Yeah. I played I played it in two challenges and I think the only change I made so Claudius Hless for those of you who don't know he was playing twenty two lands mana dorks on the one he had four halflings and one goose so basically he didn't have any vulnerable creatures to bowmaster in run and six his only tough one toughness creature was his own bowmasters and young wolf I think um, so that was kind of his angle and. The only change I made was add the Force Wall of Roots. I didn't add a land, I just added Force Wall of Roots, and I think I cut an Eldritch Evolution. Maybe I could have cut maybe I could have cut a Strangle Root Geist. I wasn't sure what to cut, but I, I felt like I just wanted one at least one extra mana source. Um but the deck felt pretty good. I think I'm in like five two and 
I don't remember, maybe one to drop the next day, but I think uh, I lost a mare and ran that or something. It was, yeah. No, I mean, it, it was the deck that had the best win rate in that tournament, right? In in Bologna? Yeah, it was. It was winning yeah, 56. Definitely, was that definitely, definitely felt fine. Yeah, certainly so a powerful shows, strategy. Shows it's possible, but it does not seem easy. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know if you guys had anything else to talk about. Obviously, once again, kind of a little awkward episode for for me in, in particular. Um, don't worry, Gab. Next in, in two yeah, weeks, next episode's gonna, gonna be so good. From, yeah. from, from the pity, you're gonna tell us all of the secret stories that you are just eager to share, but you can't. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice that you just. You just feel pressured from like all, all sides. You just can't yeah. keep it in you. But don't worry. Just next episode, it's gonna be great. You're gonna tell us everything. <laughs> yeah, it's four hours episode. That all of our perfect. testing, yeah. everything, the timeline. We'll we'll all love it. It'll be great. The misdirection, the lies, the drama. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Should we put our lives on the line? I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. All right, for those of you who are new, Life on the Line is a tournament where you have to break one deck from formats we talked about today. It's modern. If you win the tournament, you live. If you lose, you die. What are you guys bringing to the tournament? All right, so I can start. Yeah. I, I am also going to Barcelona, not as a PT player once again, but uh, as a secret lair showdown player. Mm. I will be playing the modern a tournament. Casual. Yeah, a casual, but you say you say casual, but arguably the pricing <laughs> is actually slightly better in the it's a very expensive mega yeah. yeah, depending on like your point of view. The commentators make uh, more money than us, and now the side event players make more money than us. What a, what's the point of playing on the PT? <laughs> Get the glory and yeah. the, the, the nostalgia. <laughs> Yeah, Kenneth has got it on lockdown. He's doing commentary. He's playing the side events. Are you, are you calling the PT? I oh, know you. Oh, no, 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 no. But I just, I just like he started doing. You know, who knows? Well, small steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to put my life on the line, uh, I w- am at this moment in time leaning towards bringing the blue-white control deck for the secret lair showdowns. There is four of them. The the like qualifiers for the like secret layer ultimate thing on side, Sunday where you can win the one of four brainstorms that, that exists. Right. Okay. Uh so I'll bring like I guess most of my cards with with myself and leave myself without like being able to play uh, Scam or Living End, which are other decks that I'm looking at, but uh, currently the front runner is Blue-eyed control, and I'm going to put my life on the line on this deck. What what competitive EDH deck will you be bringing for the side events? Who, me? <laughs> no, I was asking Canister. Oh. I just will. Oh, I will just choose to ignore this question. Uh, will you not, to... not reveal Kahira? <laughs> what about you, Pat? I'm bringing this blue-black deck. I think it's good. Yeah, you would. If I was playing the PT, I would play it. But I'm not playing the PT, so I won't play it. 
because you won in leagues. You you could you literally win in leagues with any two. You never lose with Murkdad. Yeah. Now you're winning with this deck. That's right. Well, it has Murkdad written in counter spell. No one can beat me. Yeah, I will. I'm not gonna say what I would bring, but what I'd like to bring. I saw someone follow a league with Martyr of Sands in their deck. Martyr of Sands, the one ring, Ranger of Eos. I don't know how this deck wins because it literally has no two drop. Your only two drop is like sacking your inspector's clue, but it got me, you know, I went back to, to see my, uh, I was like, maybe Martyr and one ring. So you play Tron and it brought me back to 2006 and the world championships where I played blue, white, Martyr, Tron and standards. I'm and enjoying I, the look the Canis is giving you right now. That list, dude, that list, I don't know. I don't know if, how functional it was. It had 12 Tron lands, no way to find them besides like cantrips and compulsive research. And then it has had like 11 untapped white source. It did have four signets. Maybe signet is the key, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, might, I might give it a spin, you know. I might I might try and, and build a Martyr of Sands deck. You know, Ranger of Eos is kind of a cold card too. And... In the format in general. That, that, so. I just Googled that deck. I, I think it's this, right? It says two, 2006. Does it, have does it have two Chrono Savants in there? <laughs> yes, I was about right. to ask about that, Cardas. That was our win con. It was our win con for the mayor, I think, because you gained yeah, a lot of life and then you just skipped your turn so you wouldn't get decked. I think that's why we had it in our deck. Yeah, that's exactly what I remember reading. So I was, I was playing lots and lots and lots of like blue red wildfire tron around that point in time and i saw this deck do well at worlds or something and i was like i'll try that and then i put it down immediately it was just so awful like you i couldn't find like a blue tron deck i didn't like at that point in time in my life and then i found that one yeah also i'd like to say you're making a mockery of life on the line which is a very serious segment and you're supposed to name a deck that you're going to bring to this tournament that's from the modern format well i just said it blue white blue white martyr oh, tron man. All right, so it'll just be you and me next in the next fortnight counts to gab a certain yeah. death. He just like or I'm next loving on the life part part of sense. I was gonna say actually, yeah, maybe he just just can't possibly die and laugh on the line because he's on like 138 and skipping <laughs> his turn constantly. Oh yeah, or I'm next leveling. I already have my my martyr sleeved up. I just presume you didn't unsleeve them from the first time you sleeved them up. True. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, if you've made it this far in the episode, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we'll see you in a fortnight after the pre-t, and we'll recap everything, including all these great stories about how Gab keeps suggesting Martyrs run. Hey, take care, everyone. <laughs> see you later. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening, Broskis. I, I hope you're going <laughs> to find something of substance in this episode. Bye. Bye. Later. <laughs>